0: After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But, he, but this he said to test him for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then, the men, then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, Truly, this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea and got into the boat and went over the sea towards Capernaum, and it was already dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing, so they, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going.
1: We're, so we're in John chapter 6. Uh, we've made it this far, so we're, we're flying through John. And uh, by the end of today, we'll have finished John chapter 6. So that means tonight is 50 verses, so <laughs> buckle up. Bring your lemonade. And your <laughs> Bring whatever you need. Uh, and Jane's going to be reading that, so she, fifty verses there. So, uh, so, but, but this morning we're going to look at John chapter six, verse one to verse. Uh, 21. And I uh, look at the, these, these miracles that Jesus does, these two miracles, feeding the 5,000 and then walking on water. And uh, we're going to really consider the point of these miracles this morning. Uh, a lot of time, we kind of miss the point of why Jesus is doing some of the things he does. And uh, usually the Gospels present Jesus doing a miracle And But then afterwards, the response of the people, and that's the point of the miracle, is Jesus does something and demonstrates a reality, and then the people respond to that miracle by believing him or with unbelief. And usually very often, especially in John's gospel, there's a conversation that takes place afterwards that highlights why Jesus just did what he did and how people respond to that. What we do sometimes is we disconnect the miracles from the conversation that happened afterwards, and we end up sort of missing the point of the miracle. Uh, so for example, with this feeding of the 5,000, we end up focusing on the little boy and the fish, and we give each other messages like, God can make much of your little. And it's true, God can make much of your little, but it's not actually the point Of this miracle that's taken place. That's not what Jesus is trying to demonstrate by feeding 5,000 people. I can make much of little boys' fish and, and barley loaves. Or when we get to Jesus walking on water through the storm, we end up promising God will be with you in your storms of life. And he will. But it's not the point of this second miracle that's taking place. Not what Jesus is trying to demonstrate as he done this, does this miracle. So we're trying to open up and, and look at these two miracles that take place uh, this morning. And uh, we're looking at God the prophet. Verse 1 to verse 22, or 21. God the prophet. And again Jesus is blowing out categories. People's categories are being smashed all over the place in John's gospel. And he's about to do it all over again here in, in chapter 6. Uh, so first of all, we're just going to set the scene a little bit in verse 1 to verse 4 and, and tells us a little bit about what's going on. Nothing in the Bible is wasted, no words or pointless words. Nothing's just thrown in there for casual information. Uh, that's not what the Bible ever does. And so any information you see here in verse 1 to verse 4 is relevant to what's taking place uh, in, in the accounts. Now remember, we're up in uh, Galilee again, and Jesus is moving over, over to the east uh, of Galilee. He's, he's left Judea, John chapter 5, he was in Jerusalem, now he's left, he's back up in Galilee, we don't know how the religious leaders reacted to him, because the point is, you're meant to ask, well, how do I react to Jesus' claims? So he's on the east side of the Galilee in the Gentile uh, region, and Matthew 14 tells us that he's in a, a desolate place, he's in a, a wilderness scenario. There's a large crowd that has followed him there because they've witnessed his signs. He's been healing the sick, and so they want to follow Jesus. Uh, so even though he's in the wilderness, they've come to follow him into the wilderness. Anyone else in the Bible that you can think of who did some crazy things, then walked into the wilderness, and people followed him into the wilderness? Any, anyone else? That trigger any memories of the Old Testament? This is, this is Moses bringing the people out into the wilderness. It's also getting very close to the Passover, it says, in verse 4. That's quite significant. The Passover feast is being mentioned in this section. There's already been a Passover in chapter 2, so now we know we're at least a year later from that, and that Jesus has gone up onto a mountain with his disciples in verse 3 there. Okay, All of this is meant to be bringing your mind to Moses and the Exodus. Moses going up the mountain. Moses bringing the people into the wilderness. The whole Passover feast scenario. So it's Passover, Jesus going up a mountain with his followers, Moses and the Exodus story. So as we look at this, keep that story in your mind, Moses and the Exodus, as we go through verse 1 to verse 21. All right, so the first miracle we look at is verse 5 to verse 15, the prophet feeding the many. Okay, the prophet feeds uh, the many people. It says in verse 5, Jesus lifted up his eyes. He saw a great multitude come toward him. And he says to Philip, where are we going to get bread so that we can uh, feed these people? We have a large crowd who need food. and, And again, what does that remind you of? A large crowd of people in the wilderness who need food right? Something's happening here and what's taking place with Jesus. Jesus, it says, he looks up and he sees these people. And that's really beautiful because Jesus sees the need and he cares about the need. It doesn't tell us in John's gospel, but in Matthew and Mark, the same story, it says that Jesus had compassion for these people, right? Which the word compassion uh, means his stomach twisted in pain. So he looks upon these thousands of people around him who haven't had anything to eat and his stomach twists in pain because they're hungry. Jesus really cares about these people. And what we see is that Jesus cares not just about the spiritual side of them, but the physical needs. He cares about the fact they haven't had anything to eat. That's what twists his stomach, the fact that they are hungry. And so he asks Philip, Philip, how are we going to feed all these people? And of course, we know that this is a test. It says in verse 6, he said this to test him because he knew what he was about to do. All right, but Philip doesn't. And Philip's category needs to be smashed as well. Philip needs to learn something. So, this is a a teaching moment for Philip and a moment for us as the reader to consider as well. We're supposed to step into this scenario and say, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed all these people? Where should we get bread? You're meant to step in there and be the Philip person and be like, what can we do? And Jesus, of course, knows what he's going to do. It says he tested Philip. And a test in the Bible is something that God uses not to learn something about us because he knows our very hearts, but to bring out of us what's really in us. That's what a test is in the Bible. When, when we're being tested, when we go through things that God uh, causes us to go through or allows us to go through in the Bible times and in our lives, God isn't learning anything new about you. If bitterness comes out of you in those moments, if doubt's coming out of you in that moment, God already knows about all that, but you probably didn't. And he's bringing that out of you for you to see uh, what, we're, what we're really like uh, as humans. But uh, God knows, Jesus knows what he's going to do. Philip responds in verse 7, uh, 200 denarii, which is 200 days wages, wouldn't be enough to give these people even a, even a bite to chew on. So not enough to feed them so they're full, but 200 days wages wouldn't give them a meager morsel for them just to sort of have something to chew on. 200 days wages is not enough to feed this crowd. And then we have uh, Andrew in verse 8 to verse 9 who brings a little boy's five loaves and two fish but Andrew says what are we going to do with that like what's that among so many people now hold on to that question in verse 9 what is that among so many people okay because something really significant is happening when he says that this five loaves and two fish is normally enough to feed one person and at a a big push, two people, right? So this is one person or two people and Philip's just said, 200 days wages won't feed these people a a tiny bite. What are we going to do? So then Jesus in verse 10, he says, make the people sit down and there was much grass, so they all sat down about 5,000 and uh, we know this is about 5,000 men. Matthew says there was also women and children added on to this as well. So that brings it up to anywhere between 8,000 to 15,000 people sitting here, right? If all the men have come out and they've brought their wives and brought a few kids with them, that this is a massive crowd of people who, uh, who need to be fed, pushing it up thousands more. Verse 11, Jesus gives thanks and he distributes the bread and the fish. And look what it says in verse 11. He distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted Does that remind us of a story in the Exodus where where the manna comes down and Moses says, Take as much as you need? You just keep, just take as much as you need for that day. And of course, if they tried to take two days, it would rot, but they had enough. Everyone had enough. From the lowest person to the biggest person, it said everyone had enough. And here's Jesus making sure that everyone has enough. And verse 12 says, And they were filled. Right, so, so Philip says, we, we don't have enough to feed them even a meager morsel. 200 days wages. Andrew's like, we got enough to feed two people at a push. And Jesus feeds like 10,000 people to the point that they are filled. And in verse 12 to verse 13, a 12 baskets of bread left from the five little loaves, one for each disciple to carry. Okay, Now that's the story. What's the point of the story? That's the story that's being told. What are we supposed to be gleaning from this information? What are we meant to be picking up here about what is is happening? Well, verse 14 tells us, Then those men, when they'd seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who's come into the world. Like, this is the one. This is the one that we've been waiting for. And when it says, The prophet... We've been looking at this in John's Gospel. This is the one that was coming after Moses. Moses promised, a, a prophet like me is going to come into the world. The Pharisees asked John the Baptist, are you that prophet? The Samaritan woman pronounced that Jesus was the, was a prophet. And they only believed that there was no prophet after Moses. So the Samaritan woman's essentially saying, you're the prophet. And here we have in John chapter 6, these people responding to all of this. Saying, You're the prophet. Why does this miracle of feeding the 5,000 plus lead to this conclusion? That these people respond by saying, you're the prophet. Because again, there's something very significant happening here in this little section of John. If we go back to Exodus in our minds, we won't turn there. But Moses went up to Mount Sinai. Right? He came back down again. Brought the people to the wilderness. Fed them. Bread miraculously, and then went back up to Mount Sinai, right? That's what he went down, he went and brought them into the wilderness, or sorry, he went up to the mountain, brought them into the wilderness, then he feeds them miracle bread, and again goes back up the mountain again. This is what Jesus does. Jesus goes up the mountain in verse 3, he comes back down, and he feeds the 5,000 plus people, and then we have at the very end, verse 15, he went back up the mountain again. That's what Moses did. He went up the mountain, down the mountain, brought the people out, fed them, and went back up the mountain again. And here's Jesus uh, doing exactly the same thing. But there's more that's going on here uh, as well. Not just Moses, but the prophet Elisha. Okay? The prophet Elisha, in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 43-44. A man came, bringing the man of God. Okay? Sometimes the man of God gets attached to pastors. That's, that's not quite what it's meant to be saying. The man of God in the Old Testament is like, he is the one.? Right? At this time in Elisha's ministry, Elisha is being presented as the potential Messiah. Like he's, hopefully he's the one who's going to lead us, right? So he brings the man of God bread, 20 loaves of barley. What was brought to Jesus? Five loaves of barley bread, and fresh ears of grain in the sack. And Elijah said, give to the men that they may eat. That's what, that's what Jesus said. Sit them down and we're going to feed them. And the servant said this. How can I set this before a hundred men? And what, what was the disciple say to Jesus? What is this among so many people? How am I supposed to feed all of these people? And of course, we know uh, and what happens in, in 2 Kings. So he repeated, give them to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. That's what happened in John chapter 6. They fed the the 5,000 plus and then 12 baskets left. So he set it before them and they ate and had some left according to the word of the Lord. Right? So this is telling us that Jesus is uh, like Moses, but he's also the greater uh, Elisha. Elisha was able to feed people with 20 loaves, 100 people. Jesus is able to take five loaves and feed 10,000 people. He's like, I'm, I'm greater than Elisha. And the people catch this. They, they get what's going on. They get the miracle that is claiming something, that Jesus is the prophet. He is the greater Moses. He is the greater Elisha. Elisha wasn't that one, but Jesus is. So verse 15, knowing this, th- th- that they want to take him to be the king, but by force, so Jesus walks away, and Jesus goes up uh, onto the mountain alone. Now, the question then is, why did Jesus leave? They're about to make him the king of Israel. Why does he leave? Well, that's one of the questions we'll look at tonight as we cover 50 verses uh, of John chapter 6. Okay? So that's the the first miracle, the prophet feeding the many. Do you catch that? So the point isn't Jesus can do much with your little. He can. But it's not the point here. The point here is Jesus, through this miracle, is claiming to be the, the prophet after Moses, that Elijah couldn't have been, OK? So the second thing we look at is the Creator mastering the seas, in verse 16 to verse 21. The first miracle shows us that Jesus is the man of God, the prophet. However, it's also telling us more than that, because it wasn't Moses that brought bread from heaven. It was God who fed them bread from heaven in the wilderness. And here Jesus is bringing them miracle bread. So if you think about it, this miracle isn't just saying he's the prophet. It's saying he's God. This is God feeding the people here. But in case you missed that, and the the followers did miss that, this next miracle is saying he's more than the prophet. He's so much more than, greater than Moses and greater than Elisha. This second miracle recorded straight after the declaration is basically saying that Jesus isn't just like Moses. He's greater than Moses. He's different from Moses altogether. As the prophet, he feeds the people. But here is something else. He does something uh, even greater. So again, we we look at the story first of all, and then we'll get to the point as well. In verse uh, 16 to verse 17, he is... Uh, it's the evening of that night. It's still the same day that he did this miracle. It's that evening and Passover's at hand. Okay, so just remember, it's still around the same period as the as the Feast of Passover. And the disciples are sailing from the east coast of Galilee to the northwest coast to Capernaum. There's my little pretty map for you if you're uh, needing help there. But it's about three or four miles. Uh, that they're going, to, uh, that they've sailed out to sea so far. It's about eight miles the whole way. About three to four miles out into uh, the sea is when this storm comes and hits them. Now they're, they're in the storm. Uh, this passage doesn't tell us, but other passages tell us they're like they're afraid. That they're they're the the Bible talks about how they were shouting. The Greek says they were shrieking. Okay, these are grown men, fishermen used to pulling out nets. Shrieking in terror about what's happening here. And they see Jesus. They see him walking on water towards them. And they're afraid, it says in verse 19. They're afraid because they don't know what's happening here. In verse 20, he said to them, it is I. Or it could be translated, I am. Ego ami. This is John's gospel where it happens a lot. I am. Which is one of the words... Of God talking to Moses, I am that I am, Yahweh, I am God, I am that I am, I just am. And Jesus, throughout John's Gospel, says, "I am." Even before Abraham was, I am. And Jesus out here walking on the water, the people are afraid. In this story, says, "Hey, it's okay, I am." And they and they receive him. It says uh, in verse twenty-one. Then they willingly received him into the boat. And catch this. And immediately the boat was at the land that they were going to. Right? So sometimes we think he got in the boat, and then three or four miles later, they're all like, What was that all about? And these, t- no, immediately. They, he, four miles. They've just gone four miles immediately. Right? That, and sometimes, I, you know, when you're walking up Ralph Allen, you're like, I just wish. Click of the finger, and you're just at the top. Immediately you're at the top, right? Well, here it is. Three or four miles immediately, they're at the shoreline of Capernaum. What's the point? Why is this miracle taking place? Is it so that we can know Jesus is with you in your storms? He is, but is that the point here? Well, let's, let's get into it. This miracle is demonstrating that Jesus is God in the flesh. This is not new in John's gospel. He's been telling us that in chapter 5. He's been demonstrating that all that John 1 talks about it too. But here's another demonstration of that. There are many times in the Psalms that someone is in a storm in the sea, cries out that God would save them from the deep waters, and they're saved. And Jesus is doing that. We'll go to one example, Psalm 107. Those who go down to the sea in ships... Who do business on the great waters? They see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. He commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts off the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens, they go down again to the depths. So here's a big storm uh, taking place. Their soul melts because of trouble, like the disciples. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man, and they're at their wits' end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses, and he calms the storm, and the waves are still, right? And the other accounts of this, Jesus says, stop, you know, in another storm, stop, and the waves are still. Then they're glad, says they says, they gladly brought him in, they're glad because they're quiet, and he guides them to their desired haven. Immediately, they were in, in Capernaum here, Okay. So that's the first thing. God is the one who calms the storms. But also, this is pointing us to the Exodus story of miraculously traveling through the sea. Okay, Moses walks through the sea. Jesus walks above the sea, bringing the people to where they're supposed to go. In Psalm 77, you have with your arm redeemed your people. The waters saw you and they were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Your arrows flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. We have a, a storm imagery again, okay? Your way was in the sea and your path in the great waters and your footsteps were not known and you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses And Aaron, God made a pathway through the sea for Moses and the people to walk through. Jesus is like, I don't even need a pathway. I'll just walk over the top of it. Right? And I'll bring the people. I'll lead my people out to the place we're supposed to be going. And again, remember, this is around Passover but the people of Israel under Moses miraculously passed through the sea, and Jesus is making sure His people miraculously pass through the sea as well. I mean, if it's not a miracle that you can immediately travel four hours or four miles, like what is, you know? Uh, and so this is what this is what Jesus is doing. And then finally, God, the Creator, as we read, as Christy read earlier on Job chapter nine verse eight, He shakes the earth out of its place and its pillars tremble. He commands the sun and it does not rise. He seals off the stars. He alone spreads out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He alone can do that. God alone can walk on the waves of the sea. And here's a storm and Jesus, God in the flesh, just walking on the storm of the sea. And bringing his people miraculously through. God treads on water. God calms the storm. God brings his people through the waters. Okay, that's the three things that are happening here. Treading on water, calming the storm, and bringing his people through. God does that in the Old Testament. And here, Jesus is treading on water. Jesus is calming the storm. Jesus is bringing his people through. So what are you supposed to be getting as you you get to this point? Of John's Gospel, chapter 6, what are your, what's your conclusion meant to be? Jesus is God. Jesus is God right? That's the declaration. And only, only his disciples know this one, right? At this point, it's only his disciples who see this miracle, like the, the 12. And they're not going to get this for another little while still. But that's the declaration. Jesus is not just another teacher, he's not just another prophet. Jesus is God in the flesh. That's the point. Of these miracles. Jesus is the greater Moses. Jesus is the greater Elisha. Jesus is God in the flesh. That's the declaration. Now, we're not going to look at the teaching because that's coming on uh, tonight, verse 22 to verse 71. We're only picking up on the action here. Um, But verse 22 to 71. Come along tonight, and uh, we're going to crack into this. We can talk about it afterwards as well. But there's two massive questions uh, for tonight uh, that Jesus gets into. What does it mean to eat Jesus' body and drink his blood? And what does it mean that God the Father draws people to Jesus? That's kind of what we're going to be looking at um, as we try to unpack this passage again uh, this evening. But for now, the actions alone, the, de- the, the actions alone declare that he that he is God in the flesh. Amen. Amen. Well we're going to